Good evening, Saban. Good evening, Dan. Right, this is actually... Take it's actually two. the furthest... Yeah, it's take two, and it's the furthest we'd ever gone into a take one before deciding yeah. to do a take two. We got about 80% through the episode, and... Yeah. Yeah, it was all your fault, unfortunately. You just... Sad times. Yeah, you just had a technology <laughs> malfunction, didn't you? Oh, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's my microphone. Uh, not sure yeah, exactly. anyway... We'll try and re-record the episode basically in a way that it doesn't seem staged because we basically know all the points that we're going to make now throughout the conversation. But we'll basically try and have the conversation again. Last time I started started it off with just a quick reflection on a, or a few points from last week's episode about theft and my bike being stolen and Dan's friend's phone nearly being stolen and stuff. Um, so I was listening through the episode in the gym just in the background kind of thing. I wasn't really concentrating on it because I usually play stuff that I don't really have to concentrate too much on in the gym because I'm usually concentrating on what I'm doing in the gym rather than what I'm listening to. Um, so obviously I'm not really paying too much attention to our own episodes because I've already listened to what well, I had the conversation itself. Then I would listen to it whilst editing. Anyway, it was playing in the background and a few points just kind of came up whilst I was listening to certain parts of it in between sets. Um, and it kind of came across that we were justifying why the thieves were doing what they were doing, why they were stealing or the robbers or whatever, and kind of justifying why they might do that and why it's almost not okay for them to do that, but it makes sense as to why they're doing it kind of thing. And whilst, okay, yes, it makes sense from a kind of uh, theoretical point of view or a philosophical point of view, I think we kind of came to the conclusion that it's almost like unanimously wrong to steal stuff. And okay, the reason that they are stealing or the theft is or like being a thief or whatever is not their fault, but it is their problem. In the way that say, if you were in a trauma accident and it wasn't your fault, it's still your problem. You now have to deal with it kind of thing. So yeah, we can't, we don't like, we are not in control of our, upbringing what the values and morals that we're brought up with and everything the environment and all these other factors that influence what we eventually end up doing in life or anything or our actions and everything we don't have control over that or we have very little control over that but at that point it is then your problem that you have to kind of deal with and sort out and try and make a change so that was point one the other point was it's usually quite rare for a bike thief to actually get caught or and, and arrested, even if the police recover the bike. So I just hope that even though they weren't given jail time, that it serves as a wake-up call, that they're basically playing a very dangerous game and it can just fully turn their life upside down. So hopefully they reflect on their actions and that attempting to steal like my bike specifically was of overall benefit for them. Or like so basically I'm just hoping that they get a bigger benefit out of the whole scenario that you know they reflect upon what they were doing because they had a really close call with the police and potentially getting their life wrecked kind of thing um and that they maybe make a change in their actions or the things that they do and whatnot and maybe stop stealing bikes or whatever else that they do and stuff um so hopefully that benefit is even bigger than the benefit that I gained from like realizing my blessings and fortunes and whatnot that I spoke about last episode. Um, but yeah, those are just kind of two points that kind of came up that I thought were worth mentioning about last week's episode. And yeah, <clears throat> I, I'm going to pretend like I haven't heard them already about 40 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> and, and also 
I, as I said last time, uh, I won't respond directly to them just because otherwise we'll end up doing a whole episode on it. But yeah, it is, um, it is interesting yeah. to think about. And on to today's episode and this week's topic, it's actually the week where I did my final OSCEs of med school, the big final year ones. And um, it's not the first time I've done OSCEs. I actually did them in second, third, fourth year. But this time the approach was a bit different. Firstly, because we were scheduled to have them in January, then they got moved to March. And then secondly, because I didn't prepare for them in the same way. In third year, the OSCE score was really important. So you want to do as well as possible. Whereas this time you just need to pass, which I think changed my mentality towards it and the way that I revised. I think that's just a classic thing. It's like, oh, it's just pass, fail, it's calm. Kind yeah, of it was because it's pass, <laughs> fail. Yeah, my I definitely wasn't like as keen to get a high score as I would be uh, mm. when it mattered, as I was when it mattered. So anyway, what I was going to say, there are two big differences in the way that I went about this exam compared to previous rounds of OSCEs. The first thing is that when you go into the room, you're in a group, you're in a group which is comprised of six students and it's a big room and you can, you've got like six booths with like retractable walls, like impermanent mm. walls. I don't know what you call them. And there are six of them. And on the side of each wall is the vignette for that station. So it might be a 34 year old has been injured in this way, blah, blah. And you've got two minutes to read the vignette and then you have to go in and you've got eight minutes in the scenario. So in previous years, when I was stood reading a vignette, I would often look at the vignette in the next booth as well, reading both at once, and start thinking about that second booth. <laughs> the googly eyeballs. Yeah, the googly eyeballs. So one eye pointed on the <laughs> booth I'm meant to be looking at and the other eye astray. But in doing that, yeah, I'd be like, I don't know, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's quite obvious that that divides attention. And this time, it wasn't something I deliberately did, but I just found myself... I told myself to focus on the vignette in front of me and it, it, I didn't even have to debate whether I should look at the one um, that's coming after the, the station. So as a result, it meant that I was just completely focused. Again, it sounds super obvious, but it made a really big difference to me this time and how I prepared for the station standing outside it. And the second thing I want to say on the vignettes is I developed a system really quickly where initially I would read the vignette once through and then I'd understand what the topic will be. So in the last episode, when we were recording half an hour ago, I used the example of one of the stations where it was um, uh, like a, something like a 27-year-old or a 32-year-old lady has um, received an abnormal, has received a result of dyscariosis on her smear test. So abnormal cells in the in, around the cervix. And then she is due to have a colposcopy and she wants to discuss this procedure with you. And what I did is I would read the vignette and then with the next minute of my two minutes, I would go and put on my PPE away from the vignette, not reading it. And I'd be thinking about the topic. And then as opposed to specifically thinking about this station, just trying to remember a colposcopy, trying to remember smear tests, trying to remember the cell details. And then after that, I'd come back after a minute with one minute remaining on the vignette time, then read the specific case and think about what I'm going to ask, think about how I'm going to structure it and basically divide that process into two parts. And I found that really helpful because it stops me from going on, it stopped me from going on in incorrect trains of thought in the first few seconds of reading the vignette and then being lost on it. So for example, one of my colleagues, I'm not going to name and shame, but they did that. They made a mistake with that on one of the stations. It was, um, I know I'm talking a lot right now, um, but no, no, Karen. 
bear with me. Um, one of the stations was, okay, so it's a man in a stroke ward. Like an 80-year-old man is in the stroke ward and they've put in a nasogastric tube and they're unable to aspirate anything. So... Oh, um, in the lungs. <laughs> please, uh, please suggest an appropriate radiological um, investigation for okay. this. And... Please fill out a chest X-ray request form. <laughs> so oh, wait, I, I don't know why they they're like, okay, think of the right one, and then once you've thought about it, you are the right or wrong because it's chest X-ray. Um, anyway, that that was a bit odd, but the, basically, it's please fill out a chest wait, X-ray so that, form. That was the entire station. No, no, and then and then after that, you had to interpret the X-ray and okay, fine, uh, present fine. it to the present it to the clinician. Um, but basically, my colleague. Um, they read the vignette and because they'd read that first line is on a stroke ward, they were straight away thinking about stroke. And so for the next two minutes... Oh, it's like CT head or something. Yes, exactly. So for the next two minutes, they were thinking about all the differentials. They were thinking about how you investigate for a potential stroke on a stroke ward. And they went in and they filled out a CT scan request form. And oh my God. they obviously... They knew straight away after the station when they talked about it with other people. Oh, obviously, like they just didn't read yeah. it properly because they were nervous and they were reading it quickly. Yeah, yeah. That is why I think actually now I'll tell people in the future if they ever ask for advice, read it once, but then go away from it and like collect your thoughts. Just be, don't straight away once you start reading it, try and like um, think about what could be going on because otherwise you'll be doing that every line. You're, you're not like reading it as a whole. Mm. Read it as a whole then go away and think about it, then come back and think about this scenario. I, I strongly think that now. And so I did that on each station and I actually found it was very useful. So yeah, that that, that was my first reflection from the couple of days. Do you have any thoughts mm. on that or? Yeah, I think doing that thing where you kind of read the question and then go away and then kind of come back to it. Well, firstly, I mean, it takes me like three minutes in itself to put PP on. So man, that would be so stressful for me because like when I'm trying to tie behind my back, like, oh, my fingers just can't, can't do that. I need the actual visual cues to realize, to see what I'm doing. Anyway, I suppose when you read it once and then you come back to it, it's almost just like a classic, you know, written exam technique where you read the entire question first because they'll chuck in a keyword, like the third word within the first sentence. And then you're like, okay. And now you just start downloading all the information, all the differentials, just based on that one keyword. You yeah, haven't read everything stroke. else. Yeah. And in, in that case, I mean, the keyword of stroke is basically irrelevant. Um, I mean, I don't know the entire case or what happened afterwards, but um, for the most part, there it was all about the nasogastric tube and you can't aspirate anything. So, you know, that's the main issue at hand. And the stroke thing is just, you know, it's a distractor. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it, that's essentially what you're doing. It's just good that, yeah, you read the entire thing, then go away and just kind of assimilate the entire thing and then go back. You could have done the same thing where you just read the first sentence or even if you read the whole thing, but you only read, you hook, you anchor onto that first sentence where it says stroke. And then you go back and think you're putting on your PP and you're just thinking about stroke and all the differentials and blah, blah, blah. And then you like go back and you're basically still in the wrong frame of mind, basically. So you're basically just kind of putting forward that written exam technique into the practical exam type of thing. Um, the other thing with you know, the way they've kind of organized the boards and stuff like the movable walls 
surely that's intentional that you can like read the other thing. Like they they've done this for like years on end. They know that the other like the students can read the next yeah. th- like station. I wonder why they do that. Like because that must be an, an intentional type of thing. It's not just coincidental. Surely, mm, and you, th- I, I think it's not. I was going to say, it's not easy to read the next station. Like okay. you have to crane your neck, but it's just, you know, when if you're really curious or you're not like thinking about it, of course there's a part of you that wants to know what's coming after just to okay, know fine. sort of what yeah. to expect. It's like, I don't know, like in an exam, imagine, I remember in um, when we were sitting our chemistry A-level exam, there was in <laughs> one of the exams, the last question was always a, an absolute stinker. It was like the biggest yeah, question of the paper. Yeah. And it would be quite an important one because if you'd get it right, that would sort of determine whether you'd get an A or an A star, if you could get all the yeah. marks in that last question. So I remember when I'd start the exam, I'd just, just go to the back and just see what the question was. And like, oh my God. <sighs> gosh and then for the next 45 minutes i'm just working my way to that question so it's kind of like that that morbid curiosity in the in the scenario where you just want to know oh am i going to get a, what stations after this one and but that's bad obviously because it's you're not focusing 100 percent on what's in front of you so, so in 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 our a level exam what was it what's it called like you know module four or whatever you flick yeah. straight to that hnmr question and you're yeah. like oh god <laughs> yeah i remember that Man, i still remember that question that was brutal we sat that um, in the gym yeah i remember that yeah <laughs> well actually you didn't did you um no i was in the i mean you, i wouldn't say what i usually call it but yeah <laughs> you're in the other room you're in the in other the, room yeah we'll just call the, it the other, the other room. room um so yeah anyway that was my that was my first like group of reflect reflections. The second group of reflections, if it's okay for me to move on to it, is about mm-hmm. my mentality between the two days. Because there's a day one and a day two. Both days you have six stations. And after day one, when you leave, they give you six pieces of paper and each paper, uh, each piece of paper has written feedback on that station from the examiner and the patient. So it's very easy to read the feedback and then be influenced by it going into day two. And that's what happened to me in third year, for example. So in third year, after day one, I was I got feedback that was much better than I expected, completely didn't think I'd done that well. And it, it basically just completely changed my approach to like revision that evening, the run up to the exam on the next day, and even sitting the exam, because I knew I'd done very well on the first day. And I don't know, it increased my confidence, but not in a good way. Anyway, so this time I thought I wouldn't check the feedback. And so after day one, yeah, I just had no idea how I'd actually done. And I think it kept me in a very similar mindset to day one, in day two, if that makes sense. So yeah, and that mentality applies to a lot of things in life for me, where it's like a weakness. If I think I'm doing well in something, I switch off a little bit if I can afford to. Or if I think I'm doing badly, I'll really ramp it up to try and make up for it. And yeah, I guess that's the normal thing to do. But in that first scenario where you're doing well and then you find out you're doing well, I think it can be damaging basically. And it's something I do, for example, in sport, it's a great time to like see how your mind works. And in tennis, when I'm up, if I'm near the end of a match and I'm winning, I can be thinking already about the next match or about like, oh, if I win today, my record against this person is going to be two and zero, you know, or three wins to one or something before I've won the match. So I'm on the way to winning. I'm, I'm in a winning position and I'm already thinking about 
having won the match. And that's such a bad way to think. Definitely the champions in tennis will, when they're in that position, they're not thinking about the end of the match yet. They're just thinking one point at a time. It sounds so obvious when we say it here, but it really is true. Don't think ahead too much. Just focus on the task at hand. And yeah, that that mentality translated into my Oscars where it's don't think about day two. Don't think, oh, I think I've... I think I passed all my stations today so I can afford to fail four tomorrow. Don't think like that. Just treat both days the same. Uh, I don't know, just doing your best, if yeah, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, that that was my big number two reflection was just, yeah, um, don't, I didn't check the feedback because I don't think I'm mature enough to look at it from a non-emotional point of view. I will look into it and then start reading into it, like w- what I can afford to get away with and it changes my demeanor and stuff. So yeah, need to get better at that. Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty high level, like quite a high level of like emotional intelligence to have kind of thing, because I think myself, I would still read the feedback, even though reading the feedback, say last time was not beneficial for me because I would just think, oh yeah, I know that if I become overly confident, it will not be good for me in the next day kind of thing so i'll look at it with a level head just take what i can take out of it you know maybe there's a recurring theme and i can fix it kind of thing for the next day and improve and whatnot but yeah inevitably if now that i'm actually thinking about it if i was in that situation yeah i'd actually probably probably become emotional and start thinking about it and think about oh what can i get away with or you know oh you know the feedback's really good i probably have a good cushion I don't really have to worry too much about next the the next day or you know you basically become a bit more complacent kind of thing or it could go the other way where maybe the feedback's bad and then it stresses you out too much for the next day and then you perform even worse it could also go the other way where yeah that this is the point of where it's a gamble you know you could read the good feedback or the feedback that is good like saying that you were good um and then it can increase your confidence in a way that improves your ability on the next day however if it's bad feedback it could also just determine you and give you a new level of focus and concentration or something or maybe there's another recurring theme to work on and then that improves you for the next day but yeah it can also go the other way and make you worse on the next day but it's also just a very difficult thing because i highly doubt whatever that feedback is is i really don't think it's probably gonna affect things much overall because this goes back to the episode we had about regression to the mean you had a really good day on that first day no matter what the feedback was basically or if if you read it or you didn't read it you were probably just not going to do it as well in the next day because you're just going to regress to the mean and if you did badly on the first day no matter your feedback or whatever you're going to do probably better on the second day and you might feel worse on the first day and yeah you actually ended up being worse on the first day but you and you did felt better on the second day and you did better on the second day um all of that is just fluctuations from the mean so like you know statistically so it's very hard to say whether something like reading the feedback or something would actually make a substantial difference or whether it's just going back to the fact that we like to just put explanations on things like oh man it's because i read the feedback and then because it was good i became too complacent and relaxed and not i wasn't concentrating and getting the you know key points down or yeah not being as professional as i should because i was too relaxed and arrogant or overconfident or blah 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 but it could also just be that you just weren't going to do as good <laughs> as, the, yeah. as as the previous day true 
<clears throat> I mean, it's still my own gut feeling affected my my performance on day two in the same mm. way as well, which is quite funny. So I felt like I'd done well after day one anyway. And so I went into day two definitely less like stressed and I did a lot less work the night before. And yeah, it, that just made me a bit more complacent anyway. So you can see that mm. the, the feedback yeah. is not... But but to be fair, that that's a good kind of N equals one experiment because now you don't have the feedback as a factor. Now you just kind of have your own internal emotions. You don't have any kind of external factors really playing into it, which I think but, is a good thing. Because it, it's like my I, I latched on to my gut feeling instead of the feedback to determine how well I'd done. And I did the same thing basically. So I thought, oh, I've done well. I'm not checking the feedback, but I think I've done well. And then mm. went into day two a lot more relaxed. But it's arguably worse because... Maybe I think I've done well. I've actually done badly. So now, in, like, I need to step it up. But I'm being relaxed. I'm like, oh, I've done well. And then on the second day, I do even worse. Um, so, yeah, maybe mm. in checking feedback, if I think I've done well and then I've done badly, at least it will, I don't know, appropriately change me. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the right answer is on that one. But I think mm. next time I wouldn't check my feedback. I mean, I actually think it's actually better for you to not read the feedback because... Well, you said that it potentially could have affected you last time. So you've basically removed that factor now. And now you're just going with your internal kind of instinct, your gut feeling, which is a good kind of test to see how good is your gut feeling with is if if you're doing well or if some, if you're getting something correct and whatnot. Because essentially when you're actually practicing medicine, a lot of it, especially in the first couple of years, is going to be down to gut feeling like, hmm, am I actually going down the right kind of lines? Um am I actually getting this correct? Am I actually getting the correct differentials? Am I actually not missing any kind of thing? So it's a very good proxy test for like what's to come, basically practicing as a doctor. The second thing is that no matter what you do, you're probably not really going to affect your final output on the second day much in that one singular night, because ultimately your performance is going to be a factor of what you've been doing in terms of prepara preparation over the past year or two years, five years, whatever. So all of that is adding up to this one moment. One extra day is probably quite minimal overall, I think. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's true, but also for the amount I'd revised, sharpness was an important factor. Like even just a couple of days of doing the key exams is a big factor like there are only a handful of exams that are guaranteed to come up so between like cardiac exam respiratory exam abdominal exam and the neurological examinations you can guarantee at least one of those is going to come up every time so doing those every day mm. including the night before just makes you sort of very fluent in it you know you can be just really smooth but yeah, yeah anyway yeah, but what what i'm getting at is I don't think that one day of extra practice is actually going to make a difference, like on the exam night kind of thing. Like at least for the second day, it's not really going to make a difference because you would have been practicing that, you know, every other day or however many times a week for the past, you know, 50 weeks. That's what's sharpened you up. Okay, you're, you're probably not really going to be picking up too much in terms of doing it. What you're giving yourself in that day is just the confidence. Okay, yeah, I can still do it kind of thing rather than, I'm learning or improving at that point. I'm in two minds. I see I see the point, especially with regard to like history taking stuff. But in terms of examinations, I think even one day of just the day before 
and on the day having done it like multiple times it just makes you not have to think about it at all even just the way you word it um mm. yeah i don't know i think that's bit, a bit of an asterisk basically the examinations but yeah i still think the point holds strong with what you're saying and for written exams even more so so yeah one day of revising is not you've been doing med school for five or six years revising the day before okay it might make a mark or two difference but ultimately all the knowledge you have is already there so yeah it's just yeah with exams i think because part of it is confidence and delivery if you've the day before done that exam five times and then the next day you go and do it again it's right there in your head you've just been doing it like on non-stop for the last day yeah. so yeah i don't know that's that's the only example there that i think it, there's a small impact but overall like yeah. on reflection i I've taken away quite a lot from this week. Part of me knows now to try my best to not read ahead in situations. And also, when I say read ahead, I mean literally reading ahead, like in the <laughs> station. But also, yeah, reading ahead and thinking, how well have I done here? What can I get away with? Just, I don't I don't think that's the right way to approach it. But yeah, that's my big reflection. Um, so I'm happy to leave that there. I mean, all right, sounds good. Yeah, and then when you have your paces, when are they? Mid-June. Mid-June, okay, so we've got three months until the paces reflection episode. I suppose we'll see how that goes. <laughs> going to be spicy. All right, okay, and my final question, are you reading anything at the moment? Yes, I've actually started reading uh, consistently again. It's just half an hour a day, which is half of what I used to do when I was reading for a year straight every day. Um, I was, man, it was so good just sitting for an hour every morning, just reading one whole hour, just straight dedicated to reading. Now it's half an hour just because I, I'm really busy with loads of other things. But even just having done that consistently for the past like two weeks, it feels good and I can already feel my brain like getting a bit sharper again. I'm like, yo, this is kind of mad. So I just finished that parenting book, Unconditional um, Parenting by Alfie Cohn, I think is his name. Um, and I've just started this morning, Deep Work by Cal Newport. I was never really going to read the book just because I've kind of picked up all the principles by listening to his podcast, reading his works and whatnot, um, and just it's all in that kind of self-help productivity kind of sphere, deep work, you know, concentration, that kind of stuff, willpower, self-control. It's all kind of within that same realm. Um, and I've kind of just learned the principles just by reading other people always talking about it and just his own articles and stuff. But the other day, uh, a friend of mine recommended that I do read it anyway, um, just because there are certain situations that is just kind of explained in there that would really help with the current situation that I'm in. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll read it then, fine. Um, but yeah, so I'm like 20 pages in, but I suppose we'll see how that book goes. What about you and any, any new reads? So I am reading a very long book, like History of the World, and I've stagnated, very much stagnated. And I'm Oh, is this the like, thousand pager? Yeah, it's hard, man. I'm at like, um, I'm up to the Persians and... The, uh, oh. the wars against the Greeks. Um, so I'm still a few hundred years before Jesus, uh, before Christ. And Oh, you're yeah. talking about Persians on that side. Oh, okay, yeah. that side of history. Fine, fine. I yeah. thought you were like... <laughs> oh, I'm enough. still a long time ago. So, yeah, but at least I'm getting into like recorded history now because before this it was like the Sumerians and basically 
the Egyptians, a lot of history where it's just sort of speculation. At least now yeah, I'm getting into got a couple of hieroglyphics, where... maybe means this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what you had. But now I'm getting to the point where there are books and like there's, I don't know, it, it, it's interesting. Um, but alongside it, I'm reading The Great Gatsby. So yeah, that's sort of like, it's actually, I must say, I'm not very far into it, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it because of the way it's written. It's mm. very flowery and I don't know, there are a lot of like, little snippets of wisdom and yeah it's quite nice so yeah maybe once i finish that i might have some reflections on it i don't know maybe not and yeah, that'd be uh, interesting yeah i swear all these kind of anthropological history type books they're always so long because i never actually finished it it's called debt the past five thousand years that book is like 800 pages or something <laughs> um and it just got to the point where i was just like the timeline in my head is just so messed up now that I just had to stop reading it. Um, and I'd, I was reading it for like three months and I was like, oh man, this is, this is long. I want to read something else kind of thing so I could like tick off more books because I was like doing a thing where I was, I could, I was trying to read as many books as I, uh, books as I um, could w w within a year. Um, and that was just slowing me down just because it was 800 pages and it was quite hard to digest some of the, or a lot of the information and keep the timeline intact in your head. Um, so yeah, I think someone's got to come along and just make it more like easier to follow and not make it so long. But I suppose it's just part of the field itself. It's about history and it's hard to cover someone like thousands of years. Someone should invent this thing where like someone just reads the book to you in your earphones, like some sort oh, of program yeah, where, yeah. yeah, you could just have like an audio sort of version of the book. That would be so yeah. good. So it's like, the... it's like a podcast, but they're just reading a book. Yeah. You call it a book audio. It's a very good idea. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll, let's, I'll tell let's think uh, about Jeff it. Bezos. Let's think about it. Yeah. Tell Jeff. Yeah, maybe. All right. Start okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. I'm happy to leave we'll, it there. Yeah, We've done two episodes we'll, in one. Or <laughs> yeah. one episode in two. Take two complete. I suppose we'll leave it there then. All right. Okay. Until next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Getting It. If you enjoyed this episode, or didn't, then feel free to leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app, or on the Apple Podcasts website. We'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or questions about anything we discussed, so feel free to email us at thoughts at gettingit.co.uk. You can also reach us on Twitter or Instagram at gettingit underscore pod. You can find all the links in the show notes.